This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars. She pulled my hair with my lipstick on, in a glass of purple dry. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. I just want to very quickly thank my corporate sponsors, Halton Honda and Forever, for believing in myself and the content and my guest of each week. I also wish to thank my friends and family over at C-Suite Radio Network, where, of course, following the live show of each week, you can find my interview with my guest up on my host page, also living fearlessly with Lisa McDonald on the C-Suite Radio Network. So who is my guest today? Well, my guest is a pretty brilliant woman by the name of Laura Saltman. Three years ago, this is all in Laura's words, three years ago, I was living the Hollywood dream, working on and for national TV shows like Access Hollywood, Today and E! News as a reporter, producer and pop culture expert. I was spoiled and selfish and obsessed with my career. My life revolved around celebrity gossip, dissecting TV shows and interviewing stars on red carpets. Then something happened that changed my life forever. My brother was diagnosed with terminal cancer and died one year later. My dad committed suicide shortly thereafter. During that time, I started to assess who I was and who I wanted to be. I went searching for meaning in my life. In that process of discovery, I worked with a spiritual guidance coach who helped open up my own intuitive gifts I had been secretly hiding from the world. Suddenly, I went from a channel changer to a spiritual channel. After three years of intense study of spiritual principles and through the writing of my own books, I finally understand why we are all here and how to live a life filled with joy and passion. Laura, I want to welcome you to the program. How are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Well, this is such an honor and it's such a privilege. And as we said, going pre-live here, I can't believe how quickly the time has gone since we initially connected with one another to make this happen today. Uh, time just has escaped all of us here. So I just want to say I've, I've very much been looking forward to this interview. I felt uh, an immediate kinship to you when we initially spoke. And uh, I'm sure for you, you feel like you've lived multiple lives in one lifetime already, correct? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great way of putting it. My life has, it's definitely gone in stages. And this whole, this whole experience is a, a new stage that I never thought in a million years I would ever be in. I mean, if you asked me a year ago, what I'd be doing, it was not writing books where I was talking to God, spirit, divine mind. That's for <laughs> sure. I would look at you like you had 17 heads. And yet right. here I am. And I've almost finished my third book now. 
Wow. Well, congratulations on everything. And I just, you know, everybody knows that my approach to everything is unscripted. I think it makes for a much uh, more organic and authentic discussion. But of course, the one thing I always like to open up for the benefit of the loyal listeners and the podcast subscribers as well is the inception of your journey. And clearly your bio depicts much of which uh, the transition that's transpired in your life. But how was it initially that you felt drawn to all that you uh, encapsulated? in terms of the Hollywood lifestyle? Where did that need or inclination initially come from? Well, it started, like, the whole television thing started for me when I was, like, six years old. My dad, um, who obviously was alive then, he worked for a company called Westinghouse in Pittsburgh. And Mm -hmm. below his building was a television station called KDKA, very famous in Pittsburgh. And I used to go visit him, and he used to take me downstairs to that studio. And, I mean, the minute that I saw those lights, the cameras, the news anchors, the weather person – I, that was what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to, t- uh, to be on TV. I d- the switch was flipped and that was it. So then from that moment on, from like a little girl, I just, I had that uh, notion that I wanted to do something. And then I would say probably maybe about 10 years later when I was 16 or 17 is when the entertainment thing started coming into my life. I really loved movies and TV and I wanted to know everything about celebrities. I want not personally, but I wanted to know the process of making movies and why they took a role and how do things get made. I just had this um, incredible notion of wanting to, to find out everything I could. And so that's where that whole life of wanting to be in Hollywood came to me. Interesting. And I know that you would probably characterize your life now as being much more meaningful, much more purpose-driven, passion-filled. But is there an aspect of you uh, that misses all of that, the once upon a time? Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of things I don't miss. um, And um, (laughs) yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of um, things that go go on behind the scenes of um, Hollywood that people don't know about that you get caught up in that I, I don't want to be in. And it's, it's why I had to go soul searching even when I was working in that industry. The things I miss are like going to the Golden Globes, going to the mm-hmm. Oscars and the Emmys and wearing fancy, you know, beautiful dresses. I had these gorgeous gowns, don't, not donated, but I get to borrow, you know, jewelry and gowns. And trust me, I miss that. And I also <laughs> miss the, and I hate to say it because it sounds terrible, but I'm just, I'll be brutally honest. I, I hate, I miss the privilege that came along with working in Hollywood because you do get tickets to concerts that are in the first, second or third row. And you, you know, you're not sitting in the nosebleeds and I've been to the Super Bowl, and I've been to, um, the all-star games and sitting in beautiful suites with food and drinks. And, and so those are the things I miss when I have to go somewhere when I'm, where I'm like in the nosebleed seats and I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> it's okay. I've done it. I've done it. I'll be okay. So I look back with much, much, much gratitude on all that I accomplished and, uh, and then just, you know, try to know that I'm in an, a different place now. Fantastic. And so, and first I'd like to say, because I know I did uh, discuss this with you personally uh, quite some time ago, but I do want to offer my condolences once again, because you have suffered and endured a lot of tragedy um, and a lot of loss in your life. And uh, I'm sure you've got many fond memories of both your brother and your dad. And given the plane that you're now on and, and the sphere of energy that you exist within, do you feel like you're still connected to them do you do you are you cognizant of their memory and their spirit with you all the time absolutely I mean not just their their spirit you know coming around me I I I 
they always give me signs and messages all the time. I, and I know them. I have that intuitive sense of knowing like, oh, that's a message from my dad. That's a message from my brother. But they also show up for me in, in bizarre ways, like in other people. I mean, I'm not kidding. This is this is a this just happened to me uh, about a month and a half ago after you and I spoke um, mm-hmm. personally on the phone. I was I had an atypical mole, and this is actually in my second book. I had a mole ha- that had to be removed from my arm, and I had already had skin cancer before, so I was a little nervous, obviously, about having to get some surgery yet again for some skin issue. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting in the office of the dermatologist, and this man is sitting across from me. When I tell you he was my father's twin. It was cr- like they could have been identical twins. It was wow. so crazy. I look up and this man from the haircut to the glasses to the clothes he wear right down to the socks and shoes my dad wear and his mannerisms whenever he would look up and he would look at like the TV that was in the um, waiting room. Just everything. And I literally just I bawled. I started crying. I mean, I could not believe this man. So I this is horrible. And I, I apologize to him. He doesn't know this. And I don't know the man. So, <laughs> But I took pictures. I had to prove I had to prove it. So I kind of like snuck some photos of him. So I bring the photos home and I had dinner with my mom and my and um, brother, my other brother that night. And I was like, who do you think this is a picture of? And they both were like, oh, where's that? Where's that picture from? Did you find it from dad from somewhere? They both thought it was my dad. And I'm wow. like, this is some random dude in the waiting room who it looks, I mean, exactly like my father. It was so crazy. And I knew in that moment, and I also wrote about it in the book because I asked about it, that that was his way of connecting with me, mm-hmm. knowing that I was going there, sending this random guy that looks just like me, like him, so that I felt more confident. And you know what? I did. In that moment of fear, I just turned back and was like, okay, I know my dad's with me. Everything's going to be fine. And it made the whole thing smooth and easy and, uh, and everything was handled. So yeah, they do show up for me. Even at my book signing um, for my first book, the guy who showed up randomly that was a friend of a friend looks just like my brother too. So they love to show up in other people's bodies. <laughs> wow. I've not heard that before. I mean, that's quite something. Yeah. Now, did you feel compelled to speak with this man just to see if perhaps the way in which he spoke or his inflection or even his voice may have mimicked that of your father? I did. I, you know what? It was it was a decision I had to make. I'm like, do I want to bother this man or do I not? But it was so obviously that obvious that I was upset, not upset, but I was more like joyful and upset at the same time. So I did go up to him and I, then I showed him a picture of my dad. And he was like, even he was like, oh, my God, we do look alike. And he was very lovely and very kind about it. I didn't tell him about the picture, but that was just for my personal. That wasn't like I wasn't going to put it on Instagram or anything. It was just because I wanted to show my my uh, mom and my brother. So but, yeah, he was very nice about it. And the other guy, the guy who looks like my brother at my book signing, uh, he as well. Like he was he thought it was really cool. And it wasn't just me like. I had my entire family from cousins on down were at my book signing. So they saw it too. And they recognized how much he looked like him. And he had brought along a friend whose name was Jason. And that was my brother's name. So it was, wow. it was just like, a, it was more like, yeah, I kind of look like this guy, but Oh, by the way, just to get that message even further across, I'm going to tell you that, Oh, this is my friend and his name is Jason. And I was like, of course, of course. So they're, oh yes, goodness. they're definitely around me in very, very profound ways. Now, had you always innately been in tune energetically this way in terms of, you know, 
understanding your intuition, following your gut feeling, that inner voice, or did it take these two particular losses in your life to really dig deep with the assistance of the the guide that you were under the um, the influence of to really know that this pre-existed within you? It just hadn't necessarily been tapped into. Yeah, I knew it. I would say probably. I'm going to say like in college, my grandmother, my mom's mom had passed away when I was 11 years old, but um, my grandfather still lived in the, in the uh, condo or apartment in Florida. And so when I would go to stay there, I always had this sense that she was there, even like in my 20s. So I knew that there was something. I was like, I would go into places and I always had this like the, uh, the goosebumps or the hair would stand up and I'd, mm-hmm. I'd have this sense of like, okay, something's weird here. Something's not right here. And as I got older, I did that more and more. And then as I got even more older, I would start asking questions about the places and would end up finding out that someone had died there or something horrible had happened there. And so I knew that there was something. And then I, I was very interested in mediumship. So I would say probably late 20s is when I started going to like psychics and mediums. And then if you go to them and you go to the right people, they start telling you stuff that just shocks you. And that's when you really start to open up like, huh, maybe there is somewhere we go after we die. Maybe there is something to all of this. And so as I kept doing that, I was I was so open to all of it. Mm-hmm. And then my own intuitiveness started coming in when I was in my 30s where I would like uh, there's a story in my book about how I um, I was hearing voices in my house, my house that I had lived in in California, and I didn't understand like what it was. And I would walk around my house looking for like, where is this coming from? I'm looking outside. I'm like nothing. And I didn't understand. And so um, the, I'll, I'll shorten it up. But basically what ended up happening was I was hearing voices on the night that the woman who lived in my house had had died in a nursing home like thousands of miles away. Oh, and my I ended God. Up, I ended up finding out through my journalism background um, by, you know, calling the the nursing home that she had died because I had that intuitive sense of like, okay, something's up here. And yeah, it turned out that the woman who died in my, who lived in my house had died in a nursing home. Her husband had died in the driveway of the house that I lived in. And they met, this is, this came from a medium later on, but he said that they met back in the house on the night she died, their spirits met and then they went away. And I never heard those voices ever again. And I think that was the night where I was, I finally was like, all right, I have some sort of gift. I don't know what it is, Mm -hmm. but I know I have it. And from that moment, from that time on, I had like those mediumship moments where I would hear words and phrases. And sometimes I would say them to a friend and a lot of times they would connect and they would be like, how do you know that? I'm like, I don't know. I just heard it in my voice. I just heard it in my head. I would hear these words in my head. And, and so I knew that I had some um, some sort of gift, and every time I went to a medium when I was in my 30s, they would say to me, you know you're a healer, you know you're a healer, and I'd be like, I don't know what that means, I have no idea what that means, <laughs> and then um, I had one woman, she yelled at me, she was so angry at me, she was very angry, She's. I went to see her, and she was like, you don't need me. You do not need me. Why are you here? You can do this. And I'm like, what are you talking about, lady? I just didn't know. I didn't understand mm-hmm. it. And then somebody else had told me I was a channel and I didn't know what that meant. And like, oh, so all these things just kept happening that was leading me towards the truth. And it's like that movie, The Truman Show, where Jim Carrey's like, oh, I just yes. need a sign. I need a sign. And he's not seeing it. And there's signs flashing all around him. <laughs> yes. It's like that. There were so many signs and so many people were trying to tell me. And I was just not open at that time to hearing it. And I didn't understand it. And of course, now when I look back upon it, I'm like, well, this makes total sense. Now I get it. 
Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you this, Laura, because a lot of people, you know, within the realm of what it is, I I almost don't want to say what you do, because it's really who you are. And people who recognize this as being uh, a gift, something that they've eventually, if not initially, right away tapped into, you know, this is the type of gift where people will sometimes characterize it as, you know, it's not only a gift, but it's also, uh, or a blessing, but it's also a curse. Now, for all this energy and these downloads or these visions or these intuitive connectedness that you experience, is this something that really taps you out, depletes you emotionally? Is it something that really plays with your emotions? Do you feel like it's surreal? Like, do you have to get regrounded again to figure out, okay, this is just something I'm tapped into, um, but I need to get refocused here. This isn't something that, you know, is necessarily a bad thing or a scary thing, but a lot of people would explain this with a whole myriad of mixed emotions. How is it that that, that this resonates for you personally, especially when you're in the moment of experiencing something or really being tapped into something and being heightened? That's an excellent question. Um, The best way to answer it is to say that when I first started writing my book, my first book, Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't really sure of it. I was, I wasn't sure if I actually was tapping into that intuitiveness, which we all actually have, as you know, we all have that gift. It's just how much you are uh, awakened to it. Mm -hmm. Um, but as I began to write, uh, get further and further into that first book, I knew it was something that was way beyond my capabilities as a journalist, as a writer. And the further I got and the further I got and the more I would go back and read it, the more I was like, wow, this is like, this is not me writing this. This is something so beyond me. And the information is so amazing that I I was excited. Like I could not wait to sit down at my computer at three in the morning and start (laughs) writing this conversation, which I didn't know was going to be a book. I just, I just kept writing and writing and writing. And then about three quarters of the way through it, I'm like, wow, this is incredible. I need to share this. Mm -hmm. I had that intuitive sense that I needed to share it. So for, um, for the writing process, I would get excited. But then as I started to realize that I was going to share it and how to go about publishing it and all of that, that's when the fear came in, the fears and the doubts and the worries and all like, how am I going to do this? I don't know how to write. People are going to think I'm nuts when I share this, even though I know how it was written and I know, Mm -hmm. you know, how important it is. And so my fears and my doubts and my worries really came um, along with me. And as I've now learned now on book three is all of that was actually part of the process of writing these books, because I am a journalist. Um, we are skeptical as journalists and we mm-hmm. question everything. And so part of what I was going through was having these fears and these doubts and these worries so that I could ask these questions and, and get the information that, that wants to be shared from spirit. And so it was all, it was all part of it, but was I angry about it to go back to your original question? Yeah, I was mad. I was frustrated. I'm like, why can't I get this? Why can't you're telling me all this amazing information about how we can wake up and live without fear. And yet I can't freaking get this. I don't, (laughs) I can't get this. Like, and so yeah, I was mad. I was angry and that did deplete my energy, but it wasn't until I got into the third book that I finally realized that all of this was so purposeful. These books, these books have already been written. That's the thing. I'm not writing them from scratch. These books in the realm of the field of potentiality have already been written. So I love that. They're just coming to me. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they're coming to me. And let me tell you, this is so, this, this is so amazing about the third book and actually kind of scary in some ways. The book, uh, the, the titles, the chapter titles for my third book were given to me about three months ago. 
And every single title has made perfect sense as to what's been going on in my life, in our world, as I go back and write. And I'm constantly like, oh my goodness, like this is crazy. You told me this three months ago and yet here it is right now happening. And so as I'm writing, I'm in like, I'm in shock and it is surreal. It, do, it is surreal. It's like, you, you, I said, like, I feel like I'm living in an alternate universe where someone's going to wake me up and be like, hey, so mm-hmm. you just had this strange trippy dream for the last year where <laughs> you were writing a book with what you were told to call God. But as we uh, in the spiritual community know, is not really the accurate term. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone's going to wake me up. But I realize very also that it's totally not surreal. It's this is it. This this is the truth. Like this is truth. And so um, I go back and forth where I'm in glorious and happy, like, oh, my God, I, you know, I can't believe it. I, I wrote these books and this is amazing. I have all this information. But then you go out in the real world. And Lisa, you know what it's like to live in the real world when you're an awoke person, right? Yeah. It's hard sometimes. It is. Yes, it is. I get, um, I get frustrated in that sense where I feel like sometimes also you have to dumb down the message, too, just to, just to even live in this world, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple things that you you said, um, but that I want to dissect a little bit more deeply here. So, and one is a question that I have as you were speaking about, you know, when you're talking about things channeling through you. Now, you've identified it as surreal, but if we could go even deeper than that, because I'm really trying to grasp this too. Um, and I understand a little bit about what you're talking about, and I was more so in that realm myself when I was quite a bit younger my my parents were very much of that elk as well we had we had a gift if you will say like yeah we had a bit of a gift but it's been it's been a while since that has been cognizant for me or I've been aware of that to the degree that you experience this uh regularly is what I'm picking up on so when when you talk about those chapter titles And, you know, it just came through to you. It was already pre-written. It was already pre-scripted, if you will. Now, when you're in the process of writing and and this is the information, the download that's coming through you, what is the state of mind? Are you conscious or does it feel like you're in a bit of a fog, uh, but you're awake and aware enough to, to know what it is you're writing, but then you kind of snap out of it and then you read it back and it doesn't necessarily make sense to you at first, but then it makes complete sense. Do you know what I'm saying? No, I know exactly what you're saying. And you just hit the nail on the head. That's exactly it. It's not like, I mean, if you know, if you've heard of the Seth material, um, I like to call my books a combination of the Seth material and a course in miracles and law of attraction um, and conversations with God. Like if you took all that together, you would get my books. Um, and it's told from, through the voice of somebody very skeptical in the beginning. And then it's told through the voice of someone who's somewhat of a believer. And then as I'm getting towards the end of it, it's, to, it's being told by somebody who's a, a knower. Like, I don't just believe it. I know it. I know it because I see the miracles every day in my life. I didn't go into a trance like um, Jane Roberts did in the Seth material. I was very awake and cognizant that I was writing it. But mm-hmm. when I went back to read it, I didn't remember writing it. Like, it, I'm just like, I wrote that? That's so bizarre. Like, wow. I don't remember writing it. And I, and I, as I go along writing them, and it, it's even more um, pronounced now, as I go along, 
as I'm writing, I'm kind of like shaking my head like, oh, oh yeah, oh my God, okay, yeah, that does make sense. And sometimes I fight the words because they don't make sense to me and they seem really weird. Like the words are so bizarre and I don't want to write them and I'll sit and I'll stare at the computer and I can't do it because my fear is holding me back. But as soon as I let go and I just listen and I'm like, all right, I don't know what you're talking about, but let's just write. Then it comes, then it flows. Then I go back and I look at it and I'm like, okay, now I totally know what you're saying. And it does make sense. And as frustrating as I am, because a lot of my ego wants to come through and write what, what the ego thinks is, is yes. the truth, mm-hmm. it, this spirit just won't let me, like they won't let me write what ego wants to write. And so that's where the struggle comes in. Um, but the fascinating thing is, and me, people who are mediums say this too, like when they do readings, they do them. And they're very present, but then as soon as the person walks out the door, they've forgotten everything they've said to him, to them. And yes. there's a little bit of that going on with me where I'm very present in the moment of writing, but then I forget all of it and I have to go back. But I read it so many times that then I'm able to remember it just through the process of, of having read it. They, I think it's something like if you read something nine times, then you it starts to really get into your brain and you really mm-hmm. um, keep it there. And so that's kind of what I have to do as I'm working towards publishing. You read, you have to read your book so many times right. for the copy edits. And, you know, so I've read it so many times. And every time I go back, though, Lisa, I'm like, I'm blown away. I'm fascinated because I, I, I read it as as somebody who didn't write it. I read it as in from new, fresh eyes every time. And I'm like, wow, this Beautiful. is incredible and crazy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. the stuff is so insane that I'm like, people are going to think I'm nuts. Like, I think I'm going <laughs> to bury my head in the sand or they're going to take me to the loony bin. Like, I sometimes I think that because some of this stuff is so out there. And yet, if you really were to go into that deep meditation you would know that it was truth. And I want to say to you, Lisa, because you said in the beginning about you've had this gift. The The reason that I think your gift is been a little um, not squashed, but just like it's not as, as close to you as, as mm-hmm. it used to be is because you're so busy right now. You have so much going on in your life. You're busy with your uh, radio show. You're busy. I mean, you have so many things, right? You're busy being a mom and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, it's that's where when we can't tap into our intuitiveness because we're so busy doing and not being. And mm-hmm. if you could get into that moments where you're in meditation, whatever your meditation is, whether it's writing, whether it's reading, whether it's going to the gym, whether it's walking in nature, whether it's sitting quietly in, in, in a room, if you can get into those being moments, your intuitiveness will come to you so easily. And that is so true because, and you're right. I mean, my life is off the hook, but when I purposely, and, and you know, and I'm when I start to feel overextended, when I start to feel like it's just too much and I draw back and I do go in nature and I do go for a drive and I do those things where I'm contemplative and I'm introspective and, uh, you know, it very quickly switches back. And yes. then that's when I get my most creative. That's when I get my most focused. And that's when I have those moments. It's like, okay, I get these what people would call hunches and then I act upon them and then it shows up. Yeah. It shows up. And I just wish I could be quiet more often because then things would even more so consistently show up in the way that I truly desire them to. But at the same time, you've got to produce your content and you've got to uphold your, your deadlines and your commitments to people. So, yeah, it's a bit of a balance with that. But I understand exactly what you're saying because when I have done exactly what you just described and gone within in my own meditative state – that's when it's like, yeah, I'm following that hunch, you know, there's no coincidence to why that thought conjured up in my mind at all. 
So as you're talking, I just heard, and you know, I get intuitive stuff all the time. So I just heard wherever you go, take your spirit with you. So mm -hmm. what that means is that even when you're in those moments of um, doing and you're so busy, just, I mean, it takes two seconds to remember like, oh, spirit's always with me. I'm taking my spirit here with me. Like, and so that even in those, in that time, you will start to be more intuitive. So take that spirit with you wherever you go. Don't forget about it. You mm -hmm. can still be connected even when you're, you know, doing your radio stuff, writing your True book, a mom, you know, just take it with you. True enough. Absolutely. And thank you for clarifying that because that is true. And I do try to aspire to do that and be present and focused and in, in the zone as often as I can. Not always, not always successfully, but it's yeah. certainly something I strive for. Absolutely. But so, that's the everyday human. That's, that's just being human. That's the true human that, you know, we do have, we do have things that we want to be doing and, and need to pay the bills and all that stuff. So that's mm -hmm. just a very human nature thing is to, and isn't that what life is for in the first place? It's to experience like, what yes. we, it's not that fun. Like you can sit around <laughs> and meditate all day, but then what? Like, okay. And uh, like great things might come to you, but you're sitting in your house doing nothing with them. So it, it's just right. finding the balance between being human and being spirit. Right. Absolutely. So let's just, I want to talk about your three books because you made the profound statement that, you know, that there was, it was really uh, a connecting the dot, you know, after you had written your third one, you were able to look back on the first two and it all kind of made sense and it pieced itself together in the bigger picture of what that profoundly meant for you. Now with the first book compared to the second book, compared to the third book, Laura, what is it that in terms of your own evolution of self, evolution of clarity, being more intuitively tapped in, what have you, if we look upon those as tools for barometer of growth for yourself personally, what have you, what, what does this magnify back to you in terms of book one, book two, book three? Well, book one, for sure, I was a skeptic. As much as I'd been working with a spiritual um, coach and I had been reading lots of books, you know, by all these new thought people, Ernest Holmes and Deepak Chopra, and um, I was reading A Course in Miracles, but I I didn't know it then. I was like, kind of like, okay, this is interesting and this makes sense. And yeah, okay, I've seen some signs and messages in my life, but I wasn't a believer. I just was someone who was interested in it, who thought maybe this could be the truth. And mm -hmm. so I went into the writing of my book very skeptical. I I wanted to know, like, okay, you're saying this, but I don't see this in my life. You say that, you know, if we just do this, this will happen. And I was like, no, sorry. You can't <laughs> just tell me that um, when a child gets sick that it's because they're here to grow and evolve. I'm like, no, I'm sorry, but that's BS. Like, I don't – so I was very – I was very, I was a journalist. I was, I was asking questions that if you were sitting there on CNN, I would have like drilled into you. Like, I'm sorry, I don't believe that. So I was very skeptical. But as I wrote it, I, the answers were so profound coming back that I was like, okay, well, that's, uh, that's certainly an interesting way to look at it. And so at, when I was done with that book, I was definitely still more of a, a skeptic and a believer. Mm -hmm. And then, um, in the second book, I was more of a believer because as I went back through the publishing process and reading the manuscript a bazillion times, as we talked about, it's, that's what you have to do when you mm -hmm. write a book. Um, I was more like, wow, this is amazing. This information is incredible. So I, I was more of a believer. So as I get towards the end of the second book, I'm definitely more of a believer and my questions um, go more along that lines. And then as I'm in this third book, and, and it's also interesting because even in the second book, it said, by, it said to me, by the time you release your second book, you will be in, you will know. 
Yes, and which I thought was interesting because it's so true now. Um, and as I'm in this third book, the beginning, unfortunately, um, it had happened. Uh, the writing of my third book happened right around that time when the Parkland shooting happened. And that's yeah. 20 minutes down the road from where I live. So um, even though I was a believer in the beginning of the first book, I'm like, I was mad. I was very angry. I'm yeah. like, OK, you're telling me all this stuff and you're showing me how to live. You know, we should be living our lives. And yet here the school shooting just happened 20 minutes away. And so I was angry. And so there's a lot of anger in the beginning of my book. But then as I get towards the progression of the of um, the book, then I started to become a knower. I started to really, truly understand that, you know, we are here to grow and evolve our souls and all the information that was coming through. I started to really take it in and understand it. And now I, I not only know it, I see it in everyday life. I see it in everybody's life. I see it in my son's life. I see it in my friend's life. I see what they create in their life. I see what we create in our world. And so I can look at it from that, from that knowing. So that's the progression. Skeptic, believer, knower. Those are my three books. Love it. Now with your gift, and the fact that you've been able to embrace this gift and it's become honed, are you able to therefore also make premonitions? Um, or do sorry, not make premonitions, do you experience premonitions where they have become true? I don't, I think, well, the thing about that is that, you know, we all have, we have a choice in everything that we do. So we have a choice. Are we going to look at it through the lens of love or are we going to look at it through the lens of fear? Mm -hmm. So when you go to a psychic and they say to you, you know, something that you're like, wow, this is, um, I can't believe this is going to happen to me. And the psychics will, most of them will say, a good psychic any will, will say to you like, but you always have free will. So remember, whatever I say to you, you could go out and create a completely different future for yourself. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when you have those those sort of intuitive notions, those premonitions, and a lot of times I, if I do get them, they're in a dream. Um, I know that we all have free will. And so those things may or may not happen based on the choices that we make. Like a psychic told me several years ago, right after my brother died, he said to me, and I still have the recording, that I was going to write a book that was going to touch millions of people's lives. And again, I looked at him like he had 17 heads because I was like... <laughs> What? Uh huh. So, and, you know, and I didn't think much about it. I let it go. I, but I can tell you this: if he had said to me, "You're going to write a book that that touches many people's lives," and I walked out of that and was like, "Oh my God, I got to write a book! I got to write a book! I got to write a book!" And then all that fear came in, where I could, I the couldn't, and I'm, "Oh my God, this is going to happen!" And the doubt, I very well may have never written that book, but because mm -hmm. I let it go. That that did come true because um, the, one of the philosophies in my books is that everything that's ever happened or is ever going to happen in our lives has already happened. So when we fight against it through our fear or our doubt, we're just fighting against something that has already happened. So it really makes no sense. Like, why are you fighting against it? It's already happened. You know, like your radio show, when you thought about it, however many years ago, it already existed for you. So all you had to do was move towards it with your inspired actions and and make it happen but if you had got caught up in the fear of it'll never happen then it's possible it would never happen i love that you say that because i'm going to extrapolate that because i talk about it on a different level uh, but it's even a deeper level now that i'm talking to you based on the subject matter of what we're speaking about here but you know when i talk about being a manifester being a visualizer taking the intuitiveness out of it and maybe you can't but in terms of just like for semantic sakes with the conversation piece when i talk about 
what my goals are and I'm very clear on what my non-negotiables are. I can see it clear as day in the future. I just in the tangible sense in the here and now through taking massive action and being very focused, laser focused on it, it catches up. And so when people, when, you know, so when I've done this and proven this to myself time and time again for things that I impress upon myself as being inherently important or must do, must have, and it comes to fruition, it's gotten to the point now where I'm so confident within myself that if I see something or I identify something and I do use social media as a 3D visionary board because I do give people permission to hold me accountable if for example I'm saying I'm going to go after a certain guest that I wish to showcase on radio and in some cases it's taken me two or three years in which for that to materialize but I stick to it because I can so clearly see the outcome and I just have to in present time catch up to it for it to align and then it manifests and then boom it's a reality you yeah know, because just, you're tapping into what already exists for you so that's yes. why you have the thought in the it, that's why you have the thought because every thought that we've ever had already exists it's already happened like we are already that's the whole thing of the I am I am it yes. just means I am it's already happened it's already yes. happened it's like I always say it's like watching yourself if you walked into a movie theater and I showed you um, a a movie of your life. And I was like, all right, Lisa McDonald, here's the movie of your life. This is everything that's going to happen to you in your life. And you're watching it and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to meet an amazing guy and I'm going to get married and I'm going to have children. And then I'm going to have a radio show. Oh my God. And then I'm going to interview Oprah Oprah Winfrey. Oh my gosh. And then they're going to make a movie of my life. And this is, oh, and then I'm going to be a grandmother. Like, and you're like, this is amazing. Would you ever walk out of that movie and be like, oh, that's not going to happen? Or would you be like, I saw it with my own eyes and Absolutely. that's going to happen? Well, that if we lived our life that way, if we lived our lives as if we watched the movie of our life and we already know what's going to happen, imagine how quickly we could manifest all the things that we want. So you're just tapping into that vision. You're already seeing what it is you've already created. And once you move towards that without fear... Boom, it manifests for you. It doesn't always take, you know, a day, a week. It could take a couple of years. But as long as you're not going back into the fear of I can't do this, I can't do this, and you mm-hmm. let that doubt in, then you can absolutely create those things that have come into your vision because they've already, already happened. Love it. Absolutely love it. And so for the listening audience here, Laura, what would be your top tips? Uh, nuggets, gems that you could impart to the listening audience and eventually to the podcast subscribers in terms of just breaking down what living fearlessly is and how people can incorporate that and embody that more so into their lives. Uh, First thing would be the co-creation, which is remembering to take your spirit with you wherever you go, that you are a body, you are a mind, and you are a soul. And when you connect all three of those together, then you are going to have a much easier way of life. But when you forget about the soul part of you, the spirit part of you, then it's harder to manifest the things that you want because you're forgetting that other side of you. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so that's my top tip is to take, make sure you take that spirit with you, make sure you co-create, you know, like before I even got on the, uh, the interview with you, I connected to, uh, the spirit within the God within the divine mind to make sure that that everything that I was saying was accurate and true. And so I do that in my life all the time. Before I go into anything, I connect with my my spirit side of us. So that's one of the things. Um, Remembering to be grateful. Gratitude is huge. Being grateful for what you have in life. Um, It goes back to law of attraction, which is when you focus on uh, a lack, then you're just – 
connecting more lack back to you. You're just attaching yes. that back to you. When you focus on gratitude and you're grateful for what you've created in your life, then you're going to attach that back to you. One of our biggest problems as humans is that we do not think that we can create the things that we want to create. So we're focusing on what we don't have instead of what we do have. And, and I'm guilty of it. That's why my career at Access Hollywood became very stalled because I thought I deserved more and I thought I deserved to, to have more airtime and I thought I deserved to go on to bigger and better things. But because I forgot to be grateful for the things I had created in my life, while working at Access Hollywood, I just kept away all this good stuff that could have happened. So remember to focus on those things that you did create and those amazing things that you do have in your life so that you can bring more to them. So gratitude Beautiful. every day. Um, intention is a big one. Yes. Intention is, um, I set my intention. I've taught it to my, to my, um, my brother, my mom, my son. Um, about in setting intentions for the things that you want. And, um, you know, so if there's something that my son is interested in, I say, all right, well, let's set an intention for it. Or if he's, even if he's not feeling well, we set an intention for his cold to go away or so it's, you know, in, in my book, it's stated as intention is like, um, writing something down in a, with a Sharpie, <laughs> a permanent way to state mm -hmm. what you want to the universe. So intention is a big one. Uh, I mean, I, I could list probably 20 things. In fact, I think the next book I'm going to do after this book is I'm going to put together all the ideas that came uh, up in my three books into one um, whole book. And here's something fascinating, Lisa, talking, going back to what I was saying about mm -hmm. everything that's already happened is already going to happen. We're sitting at the breakfast table the other morning and my, my son looks at me and he goes, mommy, I know the name of your next book. And I'm like, oh, and my son's seven. Okay. So he doesn't even really understand what my books are about, <laughs> but he looks at me and he goes, it's going to be called The All of Wisdom. Oh. And I'm like, wow, because my first book is The All of Everything. My second book is The All of the All. And the third one is The, the All That Is. And so I had been thinking about creating this another book and putting all that, that stuff together. So he when he looked at me, he goes, he goes, The All of Wisdom. I'm like, oh, my <laughs> gosh. Like, and I said, do you even know what the word wisdom means? And he paused and he kind of didn't really know what he said. I don't know. It's like information or something. But <laughs> I, what I know now as an intuitive enough is to know that all he was tapping into was his intuitiveness uh, of he, he probably heard the title because he probably has what I have. I hear. I don't I don't really see much with my vision, but I hear. So he mm -hmm. just tapped into it. I thought that was incredible. That's like, amazing. Wow, that's amazing. And he had even when he was like four, he had heard words from my dad after my dad died. I remember picking my son up from preschool one day and he comes off. He's four and he comes off the, uh, the playground and it had only been a few months since my dad passed. And he looks at me. He goes, Mommy, Papa says to say he's very, very proud of you. I'm like, mm. whoa. And it was wow. just like it was just maybe a few months after or maybe even a month after we had lost the baby that we were set to adopt. So I was in a particularly like rough patch in my life, too. And it was like just the message I needed to hear. And so I said to him, I'm like, well, where did you hear that? Where did you talk to Papa? And he said to me, oh, I hear him in my ear. I'm like, ah, OK. So my son definitely has some intuitive yes. as well. Yeah, definitely your son. <laughs> do, do your kids have, do your kids have any of that um, in their life? 
Um, a little bit. I, I feel like my son is an old soul. Uh, there's some things that have been said years ago. I mean, he's now going, he'll be 10 in September, and my daughter, who's 18 months younger, is 8. And they say sometimes the most profound things. I mean, there's times where they're just clearly chronologically their age and acting out like kids would be at that age. And then I have these gentle, quiet moments with them if I'm tucking them into bed or something introspective is going on for them and we have a little conversation and they just initiate saying in some cases the most profound things and uh and then i think okay there's something definitely at work here and it's not to say that it's not synonymous with who they are and their true spirits but sometimes they go in and out of this old soul with you know just your 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 so-called typical kid where you just think okay well it wouldn't be who you would normally characterize to be an old soul so i see i see remnants of that in both of them absolutely i do um but they're they're specific moments in time, uh, and usually some kind of situation that's uh, catapulted that to be a moment where that would unleash itself. Yeah, um, and of course, it's always in those quieter moments. Yes. It's always when we stop. It's when, like I said earlier, when we're stopping the doing and we're more Absolutely. in the being, and being. Especially when you're in those moments of love, where you're just with your kids and you just look at them and they just, you know, exude love. And you know, whenever we're we have that love consciousness, is when we're much more able to tap into it. Absolutely. So based on what you believe to be true and what you have said throughout the course of the program here, and I am trying to be cognizant of time here because I want to give you an opportunity to plug your books and where people can reach out to you and find you, Laura. Um, But I'd be remiss just intuitively because this came to me. So knowing that things have been pre-scripted, you you know, you parallel it with the movie, you see your movie on the screen. And of course, these are the things that are going to happen. you know, how does that, how do you reconcile that with the concept of choice? You know, so if you look back on the passing of both your dad and your brother, and especially under the circumstances of your dad's passing, you know, are you able to reconcile that? Are you able to understand that that was pre-scripted, that that was designed to work out that way? Well, um, yes and no. I mean, there are always choices in everything. And so their choices are their own choices. And Mm -hmm. I very much know and believe now that both my brother and my dad died not from a choice that they made prior to coming back into these bodies, but through their fears. So my brother's cancer, unfortunately, was caused by circumstance, by his, uh, his fears. And we talk about it in the book. My dad's um, suicide also caused by fear. So their choices um, led to what happened. And was it part of my journey as well? Yes, it was because all of our minds are connected. um, And so our journeys were intertwined. But I do very much believe that had I made different choices, had they made different choices, that these books always existed as possibility for me, always. And Mm -hmm. so they... uh, Based on what happened in my life, they could they could have been written um, from a, a different perspective. I mean, look at and this is a, an example given in my book. Look at Oprah Winfrey. Oprah yeah. Winfrey in the beginning stages of the Oprah Winfrey show was you know her show was a lot like uh, Phil Donahue and Sally mm-hmm. Jesse Raphael. It was very tabloidy and very gossipy. But then at some point in her journey. She was woke up and was probably in her dressing room going like, why am I doing this? And your soul kind of took over and was like, this just doesn't feel right. And so Mm -hmm. she started learning and growing and evolving. And, um, and so now she's, you know, super soul Sunday. (laughs) She's, She's incredibly spiritual. She's found a great way 
to speak to both her, uh, her spiritual um, audience and her regular audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's found a, a great way to intertwine that, which I hope to, to do that as well. And so I could have very well written these books from a completely different place. Like I could have opened up my uh, intuitiveness through, uh, through acts of love and, and found that as well. Unfortunately, that, those weren't my choices. And so I ended up where I am. But, um, mm-hmm. but as I know now, it already existed. So this, this, this version of, the bo- of these books already existed for me. And so I'm writing those books. I mean, I miss my dad and brother, like, you know, and it, it comes and goes. Like, I could have a month or two where I'm fine and I feel them all around me and I connect with them. Um, but it'll never replace the physicalness that, mm-hmm. um, being with our loved ones has, even if you know, even if they change the radio to a song that reminds right. you, even if they show up in the doctor's, you know, waiting room as in somebody else's body and they have the same mannerisms, it's still not the same as being with them physically. So yeah. I have my hard moments too, but I know and believe that, um, I'm here now in this time to help other people to grow through those, uh, that, that grief and to figure out a way to find that happiness again and to find that connection to our cross loved ones so that we can live incredible lives so that we aren't going into fear. Cause I know one thing for sure is that our loved ones who have passed, they don't want us to live crappy lives. Like they just no. don't, they don't want us to. And I think that's what people forget. And you can either let these experiences define you and, and let your life, you know, go down the tubes, or you can let them um, open up your intuitiveness. You can let them um, guide you to a better life. And I will tell you this, Lisa, since my brother and my dad died, um, and since I had lost the babies and adoption and had miscarriages, everybody who I have met who's come to me, they always have some profound loss in their life. Like we Mm -hmm. do find each other. And that's when you you do start to open up to it. I, I, there's a saying, I think it's Rumi that says like the, the light doesn't come in until the darkness hits. And that's, right. what happened, you know, I didn't start to open up to all of this and be, until the darkness hit. And some of that is, um, I'm sure because of my fears, like the darkness hit because of my fears. Mm-hmm. Well, again, being cognizant of time there, I have to ask you this question, but again, I want to give you an opportunity to let it be known where people can find you. And I do have to do my outro here. So if you could very quickly, maybe it's not even fair because it's not a quick answer. I know, but, um, you know, if you, if, if based on everything that you've said here, Laura, and if I'm understanding correctly, and I believe that I do. So when you reference your dad and you reference your brother and you say, you know, they chose fear, do you think they could have reversed the cancer, reversed the suicide had they opted not to go down the path of fear? Yes, my brother, for sure. um, He very much was, uh, he, he just, it's, it's almost too long to say, but he was very, 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 um, caught up in what was going on in our world and all the chaos and all the corporate greed and the pharmaceuticals poisoning us and the chemicals. And so he lived his life in a very angry way and he was a great person and happy. And, but he just really, really was angry at the, uh, at the, at the system, you know, and he Mm -hmm. focused so much on that. And, uh, the other thing is that a doctor deemed him as terminal. And a doctor put into his brain that he had terminal cancer that couldn't be fixed. Now, if my, if somebody hadn't um, diagnosed him as terminal, do I think my brother would be alive today? Absolutely. He would have mm-hmm. fought it with every fiber of his being. But when somebody takes away your hope, and this is one of the things I hope to actually um, help with as I go about my life, 
is letting people know that don't let a doctor tell you and take, tell you something like that and take away your hope. You always have hope. There's always, um, and my dad, the same way, my dad, um, my grandmother had, um, schizophrenia and she had bipolar and she had been in a mental institution here and there over the course of her life. And I know that my, that seed had been planted in my dad's brain since he was a child and he took that seed with him and he let it grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And so sure enough, he ended up in a mental hospital for a week and he had um, bipolar disorder. And then he had put into his brain that um, he had all these other health problems. And so his was just like a cumulative thing in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know if he had chosen a different choice that, yeah, he would still be here as well. Wow. Well, I could talk to you for hours. I find you quite fascinating. I really do, Laura. I, I Truly, I do. And you're always welcome to come back on uh, the show as a guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. So just very quickly, where can people find you should they want to reach out, purchase your books, uh, you know, adopt you as a friend on social media? <laughs> oh, I thought they just adopt me. I'm like, oh, I'm or that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm uh, so at, on Instagram at Laura Saltman. Um, same with Twitter at Laura Saltman. On Facebook, it's at Laura Saltman Media. Um, and then you can go to my website, which is just laurasaltman.com, and it'll link you to my my books where you can buy them. They're on Amazon. Um, the first one is on Barnes and Nobles as well. And then the second book, the which is called The All of the All, is on um, going to be on Amazon starting. Um, in June. So when this, by the time this airs, it, it'll be, um, available mm-hmm. and, um, it'll soon be, I'm sure on Barnes and Nobles as well. And then the third one, you'll probably have to wait until around November or December. Cause I have to finish that one up and then work towards the publishing and, and all of that. But I also want to mention that the whole concept of the books, the all of everything, the all, the all, and the all that is, is that we are that we all are the all of everything. We are the all of the all. We are the all that is. That's what the entire we all everybody every single one of us is connected to one another. So that's what the title of these books refer to. Beautiful. Well, I can't thank you enough for the gift of your time, Laura. And I I love everything that you imparted uh, to the listening audience, the global listeners, and eventually the podcast subscribers and myself as well. I got so much out of this. And uh, I just want to wish you continued success with everything that you're doing. And more importantly, just being within the space and the energy that you embody. I mean, is that not the most successful part of one's journey is to be in that space. So I just want to say good on you. And I want to thank you again for the gift of your time and everything you've shared with myself and the listeners today. To the listening audience, I want to thank you once again for taking time out of your schedule for joining myself and my guest of this week, Laura Saltman on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. As you know, I go live every Friday, 8 a.m. Pacific, 10 o'clock Central, 11 o'clock Eastern. And uh, again, not to forget, you can find the podcast uh, link of each guest that I interview of each week up on my host page on C-Suite Radio Network. And I want to thank my corporate sponsors again, Halton Honda and Forever, for believing in myself and the content that we bring to you each week. I'm here to uplift you to fear less and to live more. And I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Love and gratitude. Take care. All my best. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.